Well, last week I started uh, part one of defining our goals at One Heart Church. And today I want to continue that. There are four goals. And uh, so are they up on the screen? Have them up on the screen, our four goals. They are salvation, uh, baptism. So these are things we want to see outworked in the life of our church. Salvations, baptisms, discipleship and relationships. So these goals are indicators of our purpose, why we exist and why we are here as a church. So it's very easy to wander off and forget the whole, um, the whole reason or the fundamental of why we are a church. It's not why we do church, it's why we are the church. So church is not something you do on Sunday, but as a believer, you are the church. It's not a compartment of your life, it's your life. And so I think those who miss the, the, the richness and the power of God in their life are those who say, well, my, my faith is a compartment. Just somewhere over there, I can keep it hidden. Those who don't need to know, don't know. Those who I want to know, know. No, no, no. That's, that's not the way to get the best out of your spiritual experience. So we want to see salvations. We want to see people baptized. Two baptisms in water and the Holy Spirit. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at discipleship and relationships. So um, last week, we looked at salvation and baptism. And um, today, we're looking at the, the next two goals discipleship and relationship. So goal number three, I'll get straight into it this morning, is discipleship. Now, among Jesus' most important work on earth was the relationship that he had with a close core of people. And uh, we see people who met Jesus and decided to follow Jesus wherever he would go were known as disciples. Now, I'm going to give you a definition that is really, really important. I'm going to be using tons of scripture today. So I always like to preach out of maybe two or three, but today I've got maybe, I don't know, lots and lots of scriptures. But I hope we can put them all together and uh, give ourselves uh, these, uh, by using all these scriptures together, broad strokes that help us to define who we are and what our goals are as a church. Because when we know what our goals are, we all start to work uh, together to fulfill those goals. We work together and celebrate together when we see goals being met. I think one of the uh, saddest things is when you have a group of people who gather together but without a common goal or purpose. You take that into any sporting field and uh, a, a team that is on the same field but doesn't appreciate the same goals never wins anything. Uh, so we need to be a team that wins in the spiritual things that God has for us. So I'll give you this definition of, of a disciple. It's a learner or student being capable of instruction. Now, I, I highlighted there being capable of instruction. And I want to challenge you to be capable of instruction. Be one who is, is instructable, someone who is able to be taught, uh, able to learn. So of, of the uh, disciples of Jesus, we know of 12 that were named uh, individuals uh, and, and they were distinctly known as Jesus' closest disciples, also known as apostles. So um, if, you, if you're taking notes, Mark chapter 3, verse 13 to 19, and also Luke chapter 6, verse 12 to 16, uh, these 12 were chosen uh, from the disciples to be, uh, to be apostles. So a disciple is a student. It's someone who is learning from a teacher. It goes a little bit deeper than, than just like a classroom of people, but it's more of a relational uh, 
thing, a decision. And as we see when Jesus called disciples, um, there was a leaving behind. And you see with, with uh, Simon, who later was named Peter, says he was a fisherman and he was, Jesus came into his life. He was mending his nets with, with the other fishermen. And Jesus comes along and says, you know, um, follow me. And it says Peter left the, the nets behind, left the boats behind and followed Jesus. So in discipleship, there is a leaving behind. There's a, a, the, the story of Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector, had a good government job, great superannuation, had a, gump, uh, a government donkey, uh, had all those good things. And that Jesus came into his life and says, come follow me. And it says he left the tax collection booth behind and followed Jesus. So when you want to be a disciple, there is a separation from the yesterday, from the comfort, from the security to follow Jesus, sometimes into the unknown, but it's a supernatural walk and it's a spiritual walk that God will talk to talk into our spirits and lead us into something that we, that, that we uh, agree to do as we be a disciple of Jesus. So... Um, that, that word apostle, I just want to just clarify that. That means to be a messenger uh, sent to tell others. It's really important that we just get some of these foundations understood. So in Luke chapter 10 verse 1, it says, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. And verse 17 says this, When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Now, what I want us to see here, these unnamed 72 disciples were sent out and reported great exploits in Jesus' name. And I think that's what we should expect. We might be feeling like we're the unnamed one. We're the one who nobody really knows. We're the, we're the, 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 uh, the quiet achiever, so to speak. But they all came back saying, that they just saw great things happening. And I believe Jesus works through people filled with the Holy Spirit and faith and all the glory returns to God. So all the glory returns to God. So we don't see their names. Well, that's 72. There was, there was Bernard and, and uh, Kimberly and Kyle and, and uh, Kylie and, and Michael, all these names, and they did great exploits, all glory to them. No, their names are never recorded and sometimes what we do, we, we may not have the TV camera follow us around, but you know something? We bring all the glory of the great things that God does in his name through us and we give the glory back to God. It returns to God. So discipleship's goal is to be one who is sent. So um, it's really important that, that the goal of discipleship is to be sent. So we don't get close to Jesus so we can hear how good we are. You know what? Sometimes we think, I just want to get close to Jesus. I just want to have a little bit of comfort right now. I just need Jesus to patch me up. just want to have some, get, my, get some Band-Aids on my wounds and maybe a couple of Panadols for my head. Jesus, can you do that? Sometimes we need that. But you know what? Being a disciple, we don't get close to Jesus so we can hear how good we are. We get close to Jesus so we can tell the world how good God is. So it's a, whole, it's a whole new emphasis. So we want to be close to Jesus so that we can impact the world. And I said this a, a few weeks ago, the presence of God is to enable the purpose of God in your life. And it's the same message today. So others may not know your name, but I want to tell you something God always does. 
doesn't matter if no one else knows your name. If you're working in obscurity, if you're working in um, uh, uh, anonymously, God knows your name and he knows what you do in his name. So it says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork. You're God's handiwork. Talk to the person next to you and say, you're pretty handy. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So you might think, but I'm just a plumber. I'm just, I'm just minding my own business. I'm just, you know, just getting to, grip, getting to grips with the things of God. But you know what? God says that you are his handiwork and you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And God prepared those things in advance for you to do. So I, I'm get, I get really excited when I realize that. Now, our part in this as disciples is to be equipped for the task that each of us has to do. So on the importance of, of discipleship, Jesus gives direct order of importance for the church uh, to make disciples. Matthew 28 verse 19 is known as the Great Commission. It's actually the only commission that Jesus gave the church. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I'll tell you something. We may not be able to go to all nations right now, but I'm, I'm believing that we're going to see all nations come in to One Heart Church. I'm confessing all nations. So I believe we're going to see South Africans. We're going to see Nigerians. We're going to see Indians. We're going to see uh, Chinese. We're going to see uh, all sorts of people. I want, I want to see more Indians. I want to see lots of Indians in, in our church. I'm just calling them in. And, and I know Michael can witness to this. I was praying years and years ago, eight or nine years ago, here on Wednesday mornings with Michael and Josh and, and Graham, and we'd be praying, God, bring people to our church. And I'd be saying, Lord, there could be people in England right now. Um, we're, we're praying for, for, for Africans. We're praying for, for people from wherever they are right now. If, you, if they need to... Um, if they're coming to Port Lincoln, we pray that they may know our church and that they may... Uh, Join the fabric of the kingdom of God here. And you know what we've seen? Lulu and Fumi come. They were in England at that time and God heard that prayer. And here they are. I'm, I pray, get excited for that church. That's answered prayers. And you know, many of you here today are, are answers to those prayers. So we, we are, are believing for those things to happen. But therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. And I believe we should be a, a church of all nations. We should be a church where we don't say, well, I'm Italian and I'm Greek and, and, and I'm whatever else. But we say, I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm a disciple of Jesus and I want to see such unity and such, um, such cohesion and grace to each other that it ought to be the place where, where racism doesn't exist, where divisions of, of class and gender don't exist. And I, just, I fully believe that we need to create a discipleship um, fellowship of Jesus, it says my, my first priority is loyalty to Jesus. So it's not loyalty to my skin colour, it's not loyalty to my background or my social distinctions, but it's loyalty to the kingdom of God and Jesus as my King and Lord. So anyhow, I got excited there. <clears throat> In Paul's letters, he demonstrates discipleship so, so well. Uh, he's teaching others the truth of salvation, that is namely salvation in Jesus. He talks about the call of God and the demonstration of power in Jesus' name that is available through, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit to disciples. So he's teaching others all these things. But let me just show you something here. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. This is what Paul says. He says, You have heard me teach things 
that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Let's get something here. You've heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Now here we are. Because here we are, I'm saying this, here we are, right here, right now. Because disciples passed on the message and made disciples. Who 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 passed on the message and made disciples. And we're here today because someone passed on the message and made disciples. We need to be a church that passes on the message and makes disciples. And God is calling and stirring us today individually to say, can I pass on the message and make disciples? And the word of God is, yes, you can. The word of God is, yes, you can. We have to understand the gravity of our calling is to be disciple makers, to to be one who can encourage others. So I'll just give you uh, a few points to personal discipleship. Then we've got to move on to the next thing this morning. But points to personal discipleship. Commit to pray and develop a prayer lifestyle in your life. These are just just practical keys that a disciple should be, be doing in their life. Romans 12 verse 2 says to be faithful in prayer. So uh, discover and develop a prayer strength in your life. So commit to pray. The second one there is... Uh, Commit to Bible reading. When I was a youth pastor, I only had two messages, read the Bible and pray. And would any, anyone come to see me about a problem, I'd say, okay, that's good. Go home, read your Bible and pray. And, uh, and, and, I, and it used to work. That's the, it still does work. But uh, if you want to um, strengthen yourself as, as a disciple, commit to read your Bible. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. I want to tell you something. If you want greater faith, have greater time in the Word and, and start to tune your, your, uh, your spiritual antennas to words that, are, uh, that, that come alive to you, words that, that suddenly are awakened in your spirit that you can grab a hold of and, and you start saying, well, God, your Word says that I'm a conqueror. Your Word says that you know, I don't have to fear. Your Word says, and, and you just find promises from the Word of God, make them your own and begin to claim them and then use that word in your prayers. And you line them two up together and you have powerful prayers and you have a strong spiritual walk with the Lord. The third one, belong in church. Belong in church. So uh, uh, Hebrews 10 verse 25 talks about having a, uh, don't give up, have a good habit of being in the house of God. So the, I'm not going to go deep into that one this morning, but but I... I, I know that God wants people to belong in the house of God and to uh, know where they belong and to uh, have a have a attitude of uh, of purpose behind why you're in church and you'll you'll see that see that more in the next uh, in the relationships that we're going to talk about number four conduct matters uh, be honest with yourself your conduct matters uh, know how to behave as a disciple of Jesus. More people are watching you than what you want to know. More people are watching how you live. More people are watching your conduct 
and will be judging your discipleship on your conduct. It's just how it is. And the world knows more than us how we should live. That's, that's what totally amazes me because God's, God's word is planted in their heart whether they know God or not. And I tell you, when, when I used to go off track when I was you know, working, there'd be always somebody who knew what I, how I should live. They'd say, you shouldn't do that. You, you should be forgiving. If I'm like getting angry with someone, thinking, how dare they look? And they go, oh, that's a bit strange, Rob. You, aren't you supposed to be a Christian? Well, how do you know what a Christian should be? It's amazing because God, God places something in everybody's life and they know how we should live. So you need to, con- your conduct matters. Ephesians 4 verse 1, one of my favorite scriptures, is live a life worthy of your calling, worthy of the call, of the upward call of Christ in your life. Live a life worthy of that. And if you, do, if you do make a mistake, as we all do, you just go back to Jesus and say, forgive me, I want to move on. Take me on, Lord. I'm sorry. And, and you, move up, you, you just get back to the Lord. But live a life worthy of your calling. And number five, take responsibility for your own growth. Um, 1 Peter 2.2, Peter talks about crave pure spiritual milk. It says to crave it. That means you go after it. You know, the, you ever tried to feed someone who doesn't want to be fed? It's like trying to give a tablet to a dog. It's like you think, yeah, oh, got it down there, comes out again. You wrap it up in something, you stick it down, or whatever you wrapped it in, the cheese or the whatever else, that, that can't, that, that's gone, but the tablets come back out. It's amazing. But if you ever tried to feed somebody who doesn't want to be fed, they're like, mm-hmm. and just almost impossible. But you want to be someone who takes responsibility for your growth and you say, Lord, I want to be filled with the good things of God. I want to be, I want to be a, a self-feeder. I want to be someone who searches the word. I want to be someone who grows in the things of God. I, want, I don't want to be a stunted, retarded, broken down believer, but I want to take responsibility for my own growth as a disciple. So as I hear your teaching, I want to absorb that into me and I want to become a better person. So you're excited about that. Unbelievable. Goal number four is relationships or friendship. Now, friendships that you grow with. You need people around you that that are growing around you, growing with you. So Jesus in you is about living better in the world around you. Jesus in you is about living better in the world around you. So when you've got Jesus in you, you're the better version of you and you're able to help others. Here's some scriptures, really, 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 really good uh, scriptures here. Psalm 37, verse 30. The godly offer good counsel. They teach right from wrong. And in these days, everyone's got a, got, got a, a blurred vision of what's right or wrong. Do you agree with that? We have these things today where it's like, well, what is right? What is wrong? Mm. But the godly offer good counsel. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 18. It says, plans succeed through good counsel. I love the next bit. Don't go to war without wise advice. So before you get in that brawl, you make sure you've got some wise advice. Proverbs 27 verse 9, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. So we ought never, we ought never, say we ought never, we ought never undervalue or deny ourselves the gold of godly friendship. That's gold in your friendships, godly friendships. And sometimes we devalue ourselves because we're, we're putting our trust and confidence in friends that are ungodly. 
that, with friends that are unhelpful to our call and our purpose. So those that can give you a godly response. You need people in your life who can give you a godly response in every situation. So turning to the wrong voices will seriously disable your progress. And it's so often that, that for many people, their, their, their whole experience in church has been of unhelpful advisors. People who haven't thought about the kingdom of God or the word of God in their, in their uh, uh, advice or their counsel, but gone off just their own, their own uh, thoughts and ideas. So those that, that, that when you're listening to the wrong voices will sap your faith. They'll rob your energy and sabotage the ministry call of God upon your life. And they actually sabotage the church. And, and you need to be aware that you, you don't want to be the person who's sabotaging the call of God on someone else or sabotaging the strength and the, the, the purpose of the church. So godly friends desire to go further with God because they're disciples of Jesus. They've, laid, uh, they've left behind the nets. They've left behind the tax collection booth. Now, I'm not saying that you'll go and leave your jobs, but there's things that you just say, you know, that was the old part of me. That used to be me. I'm not going to be that anymore. I'm not going to have that in my life because when there is a call to discipleship, there is a separation from some things that you just need to let go of to be able to follow Jesus completely. So you'll know those people who are godly in your life. You'll see it in their attitude. You'll sense it in their conversations and be motivated for the better when you're with them. So you want people who can motivate you to pursue after God, to pursue after Jesus. So Romans 14 verse 19 says this. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. So one of those things that we have here is, is life groups, small groups. They're a great, a great way to develop relationships that will grow you. Um, Studying the Bible together with others is a great formula to grow in the spiritual, a great formula to learn how to pray with others. So um, invest time in your own growth and invest into the lives of others. I really want to encourage you to consider uh, signing up for a life group. Uh, our formula is they run for a school term, do the school term, do a block of study, and then uh, you can change groups and do another, another study that may... Uh, you know, be what you're needing or looking for. But I want the church to be in a, in a uh, relationship growth period where we can move around in, in groups. Don't just, you know, go to one group one week and another group the other. Stick to your group, finish the course, and then consider what God wants you to do next. But I want us to have a, uh, a, a, a I guess, a, a unity that comes by spending time together, doing spiritual things together. So you can spend a lot of time together as believers going on picnics, having dinner together, playing golf. Now, all those things are important, don't get me wrong. But, you know, you do need to do some discipleship together. You need discipleship time together where you're, where you're studying the Word of God, you're discussing things, you're asking questions, you're learning from each other. And praying together is really, really important. I'll probably get to that in a second anyhow. But it says encourage each other and build each other up. So our purpose, church, is to build each other up. That's our purpose. It's not to, to, to pull each other down, not to, not to peg people to, to, a, to a, a place of our past, 
but it's to build each other up. Make allowances for, for others. Because people will disappoint you and you'll disappoint them. Ephesians 4 verse 2 says, make allowance for each other's faults um, because of your love. And we need to be a church that loves each other in a real sense. Because there is power in discreet grace. There is power in being discreet when, when someone has offended you. And we need to discover and release the power of discreet grace in the church. Proverbs 17 verse 9 says, love covers over offense. Repeating it separates close friends. We don't want to be a church of separated close friends. You know, you often see, yeah, those people are so, so close. Those people were so always together. They were doing everything. And then suddenly you think, well, now they, they, don't, even, they don't even talk. They, they go to a church down the street, so they'll avoid each other. All that kind of stuff. It's because there's been, there's been a, a, an offense that was repeated and it separated close friends. I want, us to, I want us to discover when we have those kinds of tensions, and there will be, how to, how to uh, administer, um, what did I call it? Discreet grace. Administer discreet grace to others. That means that you're discreet. That means you say, well, Lord, that, that disappointed me. Lord, that hurt me. But I'm going to bring that to you and say, God, will you help me forgive? Will you help me to grow past that? Will you help me not to be that person to somebody else? And you show discreetness in your grace and God will bless you with great relationships. Does that make sense? So find, uh, find friends that you pray with. Um, Matthew 18 verse 19 to 20 says, where two or three uh, gather together in my name, agree together on anything, then he'll be there and he'll He'll uh, um, agree to those prayers. So here's something. You need to write this down. Prayer is a normal Christian function of behavior. Duh. Prayer is a normal Christian function of behavior. Now you say, oh yeah, I pray all the time. In, in my quiet, in my own special way. When I drive around, in my car, in my, in my bedroom, in the kitchen, I pray. I just pray, pray, pray all the time. That's great. I love it. But you know something? Prayer is something that is designed to do with other people because it releases faith. It releases the power of God. It speaks into our world the things that God wants to do in us and through us. So Jude chapter 1 verse 20 says, But you, dear, friend, dear, friends, you, dear friends, must build each other up. There's those words again. In your most holy faith, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, it's stepping into a whole new level of prayer. I better just have the musicians come and help me, please, because otherwise we're going to keep going for too long. But, um, but you, dear friends, build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray with and for other people. Prayer invites Jesus into the conversation. Prayer with a friend can move anything. Because you stand alongside others with, with faith and with confidence and you're sharing each other's burdens. You're sharing each other's life and you're sharing them with Jesus. And you're saying, Jesus, as disciples, we're going to invite you into our situations and circumstances. In Acts 4 verse 36, we learn of Joseph, nicknamed Barnabas. Whoever knew that Barnabas's real name was Joseph? And he, he gets a nickname, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. 
who knows that we need sons of encouragement around us. It would be great to be known as a son of encouragement. Before you speak, think about what you say. Be Barnabas to people around you. I want to give you some points to personal friendship and then we're going to pray for you this morning. Points to personal friendship. Number one, pray together. Jude 1 verse 20. Find people that you can pray with. And I think it's, you have been done a disservice if if you've been in church as a Christian for any number of years and you just do not know how to pray with someone else. I want to tell you, you need some urgent remedial help. You need to say, Jesus, change my heart. Jesus, help me to be that for someone. They need you and you need them. Maybe you're thinking, where's the power of God? Where's the power of God in my life? But if you don't know how to pray with others, you'll never see it. You've missed the focus. You've missed the whole point. And we've got to be, we've got to develop that culture personally that says, my my first point of call is to pray with people when when I have a problem, is pray. So, we can't undo the mistakes of our yesterdays, but we sure can make a whole new difference for our tomorrow. It starts when we, we discover the power of prayer. Chloe, I better just prophesy over Chloe. You, you're going to teach others how to pray. Sorry to pick on you, but I just felt that right now. I just saw you and said, God is going to put an anointing on you to teach others how to pray powerful prayers. How to, how to say, we're going to share our burdens together and, and I'll pray with you and I'll stand in the gap and we'll see God's hand move. So do just... Listen to that one this morning, Chloe. Be blessed and say, God has put something on me. I don't, I'm not scared to pray and I'm going to teach others how to as well. And you'll see, you know, you'll see amazing things happen all around you. The next one is encourage others. Be an encourager. Be a Barnabas church. Be the Barnabas person in someone's life. You might have been called, you, you might have had a different name, but people will start to call you encourager. You don't want to have a nickname that's like grumpy or grouchy or, or, or happy because there's meaning that you're really grumpy and sad all the time. You want to have a, you want to have a name that people say, well, you, you were the one who brought, who brought grace to me. You were the one who brought life to me. You were the one who put confidence back in me. You were the one who helped me. You want to be that person, encourage others. And the third one, a points to friendship, is make allowance for each other. And that is the true grace. Have a discreet grace about your life that makes allowances for each other's faults. Because you know why? Because you have yours. I have mine. And we're going to grow the church on, on a discreet kind of grace. It's not sweeping things under the carpet. That's a whole, new, a whole new era that we've got to go to. But it's talking about knowing the way to have friendships that build each other up and not tear each other down. So Hebrews 10 verse 24. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That is why we come together in the church, as the church, to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. We're going to have some ministry time this, this right now. So I'm just going to ask if you could just uh, perhaps close your eyes and bow your heads, a time of reflection. Because I think there could be some here and you want to get right with God this morning. And Jesus wants a relationship with you. And I'm not sure of everyone who is here in this place or where you stand with God. But you can ask Jesus into your life this morning, right here, right where you are. Because only Jesus can deal with the deep parts of life that can't be healed any other way. Now right now is a moment of decision for somebody, maybe for a few, 
where you're thinking, I need to get things right with God. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I don't want to embarrass you or cause you any sense of shame or anything like that. But I know God is speaking to people right now as we sit here. And He wants to be your Lord and Savior. I've got a prayer that's going to pop up on the screen right now. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray this all together. And if that's you and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, praying this prayer, make it personal to you. And say, God, I want to, I want to be right with you. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. So can we just pray this together from the start? Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins. I ask that you forgive me. I give you my life, and I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. Today, I am born again. I trust my future into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, for those who've prayed that for the first time this morning, the Bible says that you've passed from death to life. You've gone from eternity without, without God to eternity with God. Can we just stand to our feet now, just as we wrap my message up this morning? This morning, first of all, personal discipleship. Now I know there are those that Jesus is calling into greater levels of discipleship, to greater faith, greater things that are found as a disciple. And it starts today. Jesus, by a declaration, Jesus, I will follow you. I want to commit to growing. I want to pray for you this morning if that's you. And I know there's going to be, there's, there's going to be a tearing for some of you. Where finally, maybe after many, many years of you know, following Jesus, Jesus is taking you to a deeper level. And he's going to start saying, will you lay that down? Will you leave that behind because it's part of your past? It could be your relationship. It could be, it could be employment. It could be any number of things. It could be business. I'm, I'm not saying what it is. But there are things that can only be released for the future call of God when we start to identify and leave behind the things that Jesus says, leave behind, follow me. It's not about what you leave behind, it's a follow that counts. Sometimes you can't follow with a bag full of nets. You can't follow dragging the boat. You can't follow with a tax booth on your back. So you've got to think of those things. I'm going to pray for you right now, if that's you. Lord Jesus, we pray. Lord, for those being called into greater levels of personal discipleship today. Lord, we pray that there may be a depth of spirit descending upon us, a depth of trust in you. Lord, that we can say, Lord, we know the future is, is good because you're taking us into a better plan, a better thing. So I just pray today for disciples to be raised right throughout this place. People who are, who are willing learners, who have the things set right in their spirits to follow you with no hindrances, I pray. And also, I just pray for those relationships. As disciples, we see the need for relationships that build the church so we can all be Barnabas believers that encourage and build each other up. I want to pray for the church to live in the maturity of believers
confidence to be a place like no other place we have in this city. So if you just raise your hands right across this place, I want to pray over all, all of us here today. Lord, I just pray today in all that we do that we can have friendships that build, that we can have friendships in the church that are not based on class distinction or, or racial discrimination or any other issues like that. But Lord, I pray for unity in the house of God that is distinctive, that is remarkable, that is only found in the house of God. So Lord, I pray for great strength of unity that comes from the friendships that build. So Lord, I just pray today that we just speak into your into the heavenlies, Lord, for One Heart Church to be a place of blessing, a place where great friendships are formed. And I pray and speak that over every single person here in this place today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless your church. It's been great having time with you this morning. Thank you, Kimberly.